Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Ed Hand, your host for tonight's unpublished TV panel discussion. Our topic tonight, the Wee scandal that scuttled the Fed's $900 million-plus youth program. However you're watching and listening to our show, whether through our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or on our podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more, I'd like to remind you, you can still cast your vote on this topic at unpublished.vote and then email your MP to tell them why. Now, our question this week is, do you think the Prime Minister should step aside while the ethics investigation is conducted into the Wee scandal? At unpublished.vote, you'll be able to find the podcast as well as all the research to check out on this issue pertaining specifically to the Wee scandal. So let's get started. Tonight's panel guests, former Liberal MP Dan McTagg. Nelson Wiseman, political science professor at the University of Toronto. Christian Bork, the executive vice president of Leger Polling in Montreal. And Michael Bossercue is a global affairs analyst based in British Columbia. And reflecting on our unpublished vote question, gentlemen, 85.4% felt the prime minister should step aside. Nelson, are you surprised by those numbers? Well, I don't put my thumb on it. This is self-selection. There's nothing random about that. And so the kinds of people that would respond to this kind of thing are the kinds of people that would want them to step aside. It's also obviously unrepresentative of the Canadian population. It's only political junkies that would tune into something like this. The pub, most of the public is unaware of this. Mm-hmm. What, what do you of think, this Dan? kind of survey. Dan, what do you think? 85%? That's pretty substantial. Well, it uh, is more than substantial, and it does reflect, I think, uh, a significant uh, shift in political fortunes for the prime minister and for his team. Uh, you know, only a few weeks before this, uh, they were rolling towards what looked like a, a likely majority election that they would call in September. I don't think there's any doubt uh, among the pundits and others that we were going to go back into one. Uh, this is a, a significant moment, uh, a turn, uh, and a major shift uh, in the uh, direction the Liberal Party was going at. And I think for most people, uh, while it is the these are the dog days of summer, it's a summer unlike anything we've seen before. And there's been plenty of attention up until very recently uh, on this particular issue. Would the prime minister resign if I told him to, or 85% mm-hmm. of a poll no. said so? No. But I think the prime minister is likely to do significant damage to himself. I think the poll that I thought was a little bit more uh, intuitive was uh, the recent one that suggested 49% of Canadians would in fact change their position and would in fact want a federal election uh, where it found uh, the prime minister to have uh, uh, been found for a third time by the ethics commissioner uh, that uh, he had violated the ethics code and kind uh, behaved in his conduct accordingly. Now, I should mention that in terms of our, our vote, obviously it's not scientific. We just give people a chance to get their message out to their MP and MPP. But of course, Dan, you're talking about Christian's poll and, uh, you know, how bad has the liberal brand been hurt by this, Christian? I'd say n- not so bad. This is not SNC-Lavalin like we saw last year. Um, we we had them from 39% in voting intentions, heading towards a majority again if they had made an early election call. Now they went back down to 33 which was at their lowest, within the margin of error of the, of the Conservatives. Uh, and now in the polling that we'll publish tomorrow on the 11th, they're back up to 36. So so they seem to have sort of lost some support, but it's not that bad. Um, and that 49% uh, that you alluded to just a minute ago, were basically if you, t- if you took out Bloc 
supporters and conservative supporters from that, uh, very few other Canadians actually felt the same way. I believe it's because we're in we're in the middle of summer. Uh, it's probably the worst time to have a leadership race in the history of the Conservative Party of Canada uh, because of the pandemic and everything else. So there's very little attention being paid to this issue uh, compared to what SNC-Lavalin was, where the Liberals actually, at the end of it, were a distant second uh, before we headed into the fall when the election uh, campaign got on the way. You know, Michael, the Conservatives have been calling for a parallel investigation well, along with the ethics commissioner, do you think that's necessary? Is that political posturing? Probably political posturing. Um, but a couple of points I wanted uh, to make here as well is, number one, um, I returned to Canada. I was in Europe uh, shortly before the pandemic really struck. But what really struck me when I came back is the kind of empathy that exuded from Trudeau when all of this was happening, the assistance that the Liberals put out. It really, I, I mean, I, I his tone at that podium every day, I think he was really hitting a, a nerve with Canadian and saying, we're here for you. And then, bam, it's v- very much uh, diminished very quickly because of this totally avoidable scandal. The other point I wanted to make is because I do uh, cover international affairs so much and been talking to a lot of my American friends about this. By the way, I think it's no big deal com- compared to what's happened happening in the Trump White House. But oh, yeah. uh, they said that um, you know Trudeau uh, pays a lot of attention to his brand outside of the country. What are the people in the World Economic Forum or the publishers of various uh, international publications think of him? And I think this has taken uh, a blow to his international image, Uh, not only this scandal, but the previous one as well. And just to wrap up on this segment, to to give you an example, I think uh, his diminished brand is partially responsible for Canada not winning that seat on the UN Security Council, because I think politicians are beginning to figure out there's a gap between what Trudeau actually promises and what he's actually able to deliver on things like uh, peacekeeping and climate change. And I put that in my CNN mm-hmm. op-ed very prominently. I think it's really important. Uh, Nelson, you know, we, we talk about at the beginning about whether he should step aside or not. I, I wonder, can the party force him to step aside while this, if this investigation goes on? It can, of course, mm-hmm. if you've got a revolt in the caucus or the cabinet. That can happen. In fact, that, that's how they got rid of Jean Chrétien. He had enough people in the caucus that made it clear that when they had a convention, he wasn't going to get the support of the party. If I may say, I think Christian politics analysis is spot on. Absolutely. In addition to it being the dog days of summer, the pandemic is taking up so much of the air. Look, Lebanon is a big story today. Uh, it'll die down in the next week. Unless we get more uh, fire from the wee scandal, this thing will also peter out. And I think there might be a lot more things happening. Uh, You know, the committee that's investigating this hasn't seen uh, the documents, which they're going to be getting soon. And I think uh, there was connection from from what Katie Telford said between people in the PMO's office and the We Charity, which tells me, no, no, it wasn't strictly coming out of the bureaucracy. The prime minister was involved because his office called. And when you've got someone from the PMO calling, that's the eyes, ears, and nose of the prime minister. Now, I think Bork's analysis, Christian's analysis is spot on. Remember, the liberals are now in power because they got 33% of the vote less than a year ago. So even if they're down at 33 and they're not, 
Christian is going to publish tomorrow there at 36. That suggests they would not only win as many seats as they hold now, they would win more. The other factor that I think comes in, and this, I don't know if Michael mentioned this, is the conservatives are having a leadership convention. It's not getting any coverage. But the minute that they get their new leader, which will probably be Peter McKay, we know historically, not only will the media be giving it more attention, but because of that, conservative fortunes are going to rise. That's a potential threat uh, to the liberals. And if the liberals drop in the polls if for four or five months in a row, that's when you could get murmurings in the liberal caucus to undo the leader. You know, Dan, what, what do you think? Um in terms of getting to, to step aside, I don't think that's obviously it's not going to happen. But Nelson brings up a, a really, really good point. And, and what do you think about that? Well, I don't think it's a caucus that can do that, is willing to do that. It's a caucus that was handpicked. We'll go back to 2015. I'd like the caucus I belonged to for, what, 18 years. Mm-hmm. I was there in 2002 uh, when there was a battle between Paul Martin and Jean Canetien. Uh There's no doubt uh, this is not the same kind of caucus. It is very much one that... Uh, uh, has uh, unusual, uh, if not precedent-setting uh, type of uh, features, including having the chief of staff, the principal secretary, sitting in the caucus, something that we would have never allowed in our time because these were times where members and senators could get together and uh, uh, you know have that uh, sort of pull aside with uh, the prime minister or whatever minister and, and bring issues behind closed doors that had to be raised as a caucus. So I don't think this is a caucus that's going to mount any type of revolt. And I frankly don't think there's many heir parents. Now, though there may be pundits out there who will say, oh, well, there's Christia Freeland today. We have Mark Carney. Uh, there's all sorts of rumors that are going around. Any polling that's done now, I mean, that, this is all due respect to uh, Christian, is that, you know, it is summertime. People have not taken into account and fully digested what is happening. I think come September, when kids get back to school, we start dealing with the other levels of the pandemic start dealing with uh, furtherance of the scandal, perhaps more details that are coming forward, and perhaps even more importantly, the CERB checks are running out. The folks who said, yeah, I want to vote for these guys because they bailed me out in a bad time are going to say, hey, listen, uh, the gravy train's over. It's uh, There's no more money. So I think these are not great times. What is saving the Liberals more than anything the Liberals can do or not do or what they've committed or by omission or by commission to the NDP is too weak uh, at this point to uh, force any type of an election or force the hand of the Liberals at any point. Until I see, maybe uh, I'd like to hear from Christian what he thinks the NDP will be at tomorrow, until I see them going from history in this party, 38 years in the Liberal Party, half of that as an MP, uh, I don't think uh, there will be an election anytime soon. I don't think there will be a lot of pressure on the PM until he's found to be, uh, well, found wanting for a third time. Well, what do you think, Christian? Where Where's the NDP going to be? Well, they're in between sort of 17 and 20% now for the past four months. So there's the dials are not really moving for the NDP. But it, it, I should have added as well that things are not so bad now for the Liberals. Uh, however, what we do not have yet is a new conservative leader, because again, the media will start paying attention to that new leader uh, once elected. And the second thing is, if the ethics commissioner actually lays blame in a report against the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, this would be sort of three times. I mean, and all the rhetoric about three strikes, you're out. Uh, you know, whenever you give three examples of something, that everybody believes you because it's it's enough, right? So, so this element of 
this is the third time. If there is a blame that is laid, um, I think right now the Liberals are probably thinking it's not as bad as we may have, may have thought. But I believe I, I'm certain that they're really scared that the perspective of the next election because of all of this, regardless of, of how not so bad it's going right now. <laughs> You know, we've got a question coming from a viewer on our Facebook page. Adding to the other ethical infractions committed by Trudeau, is this enough to get him to step down before the next election? What do you think, Michael? Well, I think it's enough for possibly a caucus revolt, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um, I think a lot of members must think that uh, Trudeau has become more of a liability. I think uh, what may play into that as well as his testimony, where he out of the blue said, well, actually, I slowed down the process. I pumped the brakes because I wasn't so so sure about this. So that kind of came as a surprise. But I agree um, we're we're in the summer doldrums. But having said that, a lot of people are spending more time at home uh, because of COVID. The other thing we have to mention, and and her name was brought up already, is Christopher Freeland. Um, by the way, I do know, but uh, she's a tough lady. And I thought it was very interesting, um, believers, last year where Trudeau kind of pushed her from the portfolio of foreign affairs into this kind of undefined role as deputy prime minister and I think responsible for intergovernmental affairs. I don't, I'm not so sure that's a role where she was really comfortable, but knowing what I do of her and her, her accomplishments, I think she would be very, very prepared to step up into that role, at least temporarily, if need be. And uh, I mean, listen to Doug Ford compliment with the way he compliments uh, uh, Christopher Freeland and a lot of other premiers as well. I mean, we would have never heard that before. So it's a very, very interesting, her kind of transition now and where she stands. That's Michael Bosnicu. He is a global affairs analyst joining us on the unpublished TV as we look at the Wee scandal as well. Christian Bork joining us from Leger. Uh, Dan McTagg, former liberal MP, and Nelson Wiseman from the University of Toronto joining us. Now, there there was chatter, uh, Nelson, about a fall election. Dan had mentioned it. Uh, do you think there's still a possibility? In particular, looking at Christian's numbers there, if they're not being as hurt as bad, uh, by this, then would they not take a shot at? No. And I'll tell you why I don't think there'll be a fall election and why I don't even think there's, I, I'm speculating, but I don't think we'll even have an election next year. Uh, the histor- the history with minority governments is they usually last 18 to 24 months. Uh, uh, Stephen Harper's last minority government, I think lasted a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I think this one will as well. One of the reasons we won't have another election is the public, and certainly this autumn, is we just had an election last November. We've got a pandemic going on. The parties don't have money to run an election, what it costs now. And uh, whoever causes an election is going to be blamed for an election. So Trudeau isn't going to have parliament dissolved, and the other parties aren't in a position to, uh, to bring them down. Indeed, I found it very revealing that Andrew Scheer said at the height of the scandal uh, two, three weeks ago, no, no, he was going to leave the decision to the next leader. I noticed Alan McKechn, when Pierre Trudeau stepped down in 1979, didn't have any hesitation about bringing down the Conservatives because he looked at the polling numbers. So unless the Liberals drop to 25% and let us say the NDP gets a big boost, or the Conservatives are much higher and the Bloc also sees some gains, you're always going to have one of the opposition parties that's going to line up with the government not to have an election. 
Dan, I, I'm wondering, this is the third time the ethics, ethics commissioners had to investigate uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. Is this on Trudeau? Or as, uh, you know, we've heard Charlie Angus say, maybe it's uh, the staff is not keeping him away from touching all those hot instruments. You know, uh, we, uh, in our last years, uh, I've ended in 2011 after that, uh, as Nelson quite rightly pointed out, the longest minority government I think we've had in Confederation. Uh, we ended uh, with that scandal still dogging us, the, uh, the uh, sponsorship scandal. And during that period of time, no MP, no minister, not even the prime ministers, Martin or Kretzian, uh, even under the inquiry, were found to have been involved with, uh, you know, some of these, uh, some of the activity that uh, brought that whole thing about. And yet we were punished for it uh, and we continue to be dogged by it. My sense is that this is uh, immediate and very close to the prime minister. And that's what makes us so different is that he can't turn around and say this is about his caucus or it's about the Liberal Party or someone fouling up. The pretty buck, proverbial buck, stops mm-hmm. with him. And I would think that uh, while an election may not be, you know, quickly uh, obvious, I think the other thing that's got Liberals definitely staying up at night would be the uh, how, how quickly we can get out of this economic slump because uh, no party survives very well in a tough economic environment, whether they cause it or not. As we saw in 1981, when I was a young uh, uh, intern with uh, Paul Cosgrove, the housing minister, and we had 24%, 3% interest rates. Some of us here will remember that. Um, but I think we, the government has to be very concerned about that. So a scandal on top of a, uh, tough economic times, no matter what the, uh, what the narrative might be, uh, after this uh, election in the United States, I think you're going to see uh, that the moves are going to be very, very quickly heading towards an election, which I suspect could be as early as winter or spring. Christian, I, I, I'm wondering when we uh, take a look at it, this uh, the survey that you got coming out tomorrow, the poll coming out tomorrow, 36 percent the Liberals sitting at. I, I'm wondering where is the the support pretty well concentrated for them, and and have you seen any shifts in that since the last time you did some numbers? No, actually, uh, and, and since the start of the pandemic, uh, the, the liberal fortunes were actually sort of improving. Uh, but basically, if you looked at the map in terms of where they get their support, it's largely they still have a, a, a not a comfortable, but a sizable lead in Ontario. They're sort of neck and neck with the Bloc Québécois in Quebec. They still lead in, in the Atlantic provinces. They're still behind in, in uh, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta. It's pretty much the same map. Mm-hmm. As, as the actual result of the, uh, of the last fall's election. So from that perspective, if there's no, nothing seems to be shifting or nothing suggesting that there's a shifting tide for the moment, anyway, um, in Canadian politics. Plus, the question before we actually get into voting intention is, are you satisfied with how the federal government is handling the pandemic? 76% of Canadians say yes. So, so there's. I, I think it it sort of protects a little bit uh, the liberal brand, but also the, the the prime minister in this sort of uh, uh, during this scandal. The fact that on the other hand, people feel that they've done okay. Um, mm-hmm. Mind you, when we get into next fall and into the next budget, uh, then the issue of the uh, of the elephant uh, in the room of the deficit will come back again. There'll be other things that will come back to to plague this government that we don't see now. Uh, and that could have a sort of play a major role, maybe in the fall, but certainly next winter, of course. All right. Now, Michael, uh, would you say this is bigger than the sponsorship scandal or no? I don't think it's bigger, but I think it, it fits into the kind of narrative about the Liberal Party is that they see themselves as kind of almost above the law that they're, you know, when, when they need to, they turn to dirty politics. And this is something they could have avoided completely, but it, now it continues to haunt them because I certainly 
made that connection uh, in my mind when I was writing this piece for CNN. The other thing uh, I wanted to mention, if I can, is um, the other kind of growing scandal, if you will, is uh, Gigi Payet, uh, the governor general's, uh, and kudos to CBC News <laughs> for bringing for breaking this. But I think there's going to be a lot more coming out of that. I think it really puts into question the prime minister's uh, ability to find good people to hold such a high post. I mean, did he not even interview and ask her, <laughs> are you afraid of the public? Or, you know, are you ready to take on this very, very public role? So that will not help them. Um, and then what the other panelists said about the coming economic pain, um, I think once those payments run out, people are going to really start to feel the pain. I got to tell you, um, I think we're in for a very, very tough economic ride. I took a walk through Vancouver International Airport the other day. My goodness, it was like a morgue in there. There was no one there almost. And this is kind of emblematic of the state of the travel industry, which is very, very important for Canada, the state of business travel. I don't see it coming back anytime soon. And um, I, I hate to say it, guys, and ladies and gentlemen, but mm. uh, I think things are going to get a lot worse, not only here in Canada, but globally before they get better. Even here in BC, uh, the past couple of days, we're not seeing a resurgence, but a bit of an uptick in numbers. And uh, yeah, I feel very bad about that, sorry to say. All right. Michael Bosser-Q is uh, joining us on Unpublished TV as uh, we discuss the WE scandal. He's a global affairs analyst. Christian Bork is with Leger, uh, Leger Marketing in Montreal. Dan McTagg, former liberal MP, and Nelson Wiseman is a political science professor at the University of Toronto. And, and Dan, you know, we, we've talked about this before. When you decided to leave the Liberal Party with him as leader, what was it that pushed you away? Was more concerned about his lack of competence, and I don't mean that in a uh, a negative way or to take away and be disrespectful. I just didn't think he had the right stuff. I'd worked for his father, and I'd worked for a number of other leaders since. Uh, but there was uh, certainly the only thing the Liberal Party had, and it's an important one, was the name. Uh, had his name been Smith or McTagg or Wiseman or Barsecue or Book, it could have been, uh, or even Ed Hand. I don't think he would have won. Um, having said that. Uh, I think the performance hasn't been exactly great. I mean, he's, he certainly has a good following. There's no doubt. It's a strong following, particularly among women and, 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 uh, and younger voters. Always important in an election uh, when they come out to vote, particularly the youth. But I also think that there's a, a lack of seriousness, in, 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 and we haven't seen that emerge yet. We haven't seen a leader who's, uh, who has a vision for the country. Uh, perhaps we're going to see one now as a, we, a means of deflecting away from this. Uh, again, I take a lot of uh, interest in uh, his sudden interest, re-interest in Mark Carney. Uh, I'm not so sure if that's a signal that he wants to replace his finance minister, perhaps uh, his heir apparent at some point down the road. I'll leave that uh, to folks who know that a lot better than I do. My sense, though, is that uh, for most people, uh, it's uh, it's starting to grate. And I think a lot of people are starting to say this is not the kind of leader that we want, especially in difficult times. As Michael so quite eloquently pointed out and, and, and noticed, uh, we are in for some very tough times ahead. And I mentioned earlier, I don't think it's his fault, but the fact that we are you know, uh, in the financial situation we find ourselves in, if this economy doesn't come out roaring, I think it's not just his leadership. A lot of leaderships of uh, many leaders around the world will be faced with the same and confronted with the same outcome, and that's the likelihood of a loss. Uh, Nelson, the Conservatives have a leadership decision coming up shortly, and, and I wonder, can any of the four candidates, from your perspective, take advantage of this? Well, I mean, uh, first off, there are really only two uh, candidates, there are only two possibilities, and Nikkei looks like he has the inside track. So it's going to be him or... Uh, 
or O'Toole. Yes, I think um, they've got potential uh, with McKay. He's better known. He's got a track record. He's relatively young. He's got an attractive family. The challenge to the Conservatives is that the Liberals are the default option uh, for the largest numbers of Canadians. And I think Christian's polls substantiate that. And I want to say, I think all the panelists are just making really excellent points about what's going on. Um, the one thing I would, uh, that you know, I'm interested in political history mm-hmm. and I'm intrigued by uh, Tan, Dan's analysis. When we look back to the sponsorship scandal, the, the main point I want to make is that the public has a very short attention span. And that's why the we story is already fading. It's not, of course, it can come back and bite. And we would like to see, you know, we're interested in politics. It'll be interesting for us. But when I think back to the sponsorship scandal, that is not what defeated the Liberal Party. Although that's the analysis you get out there. If you go back during that 2005-2006 election, the Liberals were actually heading toward majority government. Mm -hmm. What undid them is that on Christmas Eve, Zaccardelli, the commissioner of the RCMP, said that they were investigating the finance minister, Ralph Goodale, and his office because of the leak. Because that came from another source and people trust the police, it completely changed the narrative of the campaign and it, and it, and it underlined and underscored what the conservatives had been saying. And after Christmas, the liberal, whereas the liberals led every single poll, I think 54 in a row until Christmas, the conservatives led every poll after. So what will trigger the next election is, and, and will shape it is something that happens very close to the election. And we're not close to an election now. Yeah, Christian, I'm wondering, it, it, we just talked about the conservative leadership. Did you do any numbers on uh, who were favored? Yeah, it, it, it's not that recent. What we're publishing tomorrow mm-hmm. is basically who would uh, who would you vote for if McKay was, was the leader of the conservatives? And alternatively, who would you vote for if Mr. O'Toole was uh, was the leader of the of the Conservatives, and what we found is that it had barely any effect on the numbers. When we actually ask who would be the best leader of of the Conservative Party of Canada, Mr. McKay is always ahead. The reason why is that usually he would people that will would not necessarily vote for the Conservatives tend to give a thumbs up to Mr. McKay, which is not the case for O'Toole, uh, where it's it's mostly people inside the Conservatives liking that candidacy. So from that perspective, I, I do believe, like Professor Wiseman, that, that Mr. McKay has an edge because he's somewhat popular among some liberal, uh, some liberal supporters and even some NDP supporters, uh, mostly out east. So Ontario moving east uh, in the country. You would figure maybe the NDP could make up a little ground in a situation like this where the liberals are, are stinging a bit, but they don't seem to be able to do that. Well, the the the, uh, the liberals are spending like an NDP government. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you're an NDP supporter, you're yes. basically you're giving thumbs up yeah. left, right, center uh, right now right. for for the management of the crisis uh, that the liberals are are doing. You know, Michael, I'm wondering if the if the ethics commissioner finds uh, Justin Trudeau did violate the law, do you think he will step down? I don't think so. Uh, he'll probably come out again and say, "I'm sorry." Um, I won't do it again, but 
again, pointing to my, I don't know, me to over promoted my CNN piece. I ended that with saying that if he has to step aside tempor- temporarily, maybe it will give him time to reflect on his attitudes, on, on his actions, and, you know, come to the realization, you know what? You say, sorry, so too many times people won't believe you. I'd also say that um, they're also vulnerable to external factors. As a global affairs analyst, I keep an eye on the world, obviously. And um, I think what may also come uh, to threaten their position is also what's happening, for example, in Hong Kong and China, how the Meng Wanzhou affair uh, plays out, the the two Michaels and the other Canadians who are sentenced to death row. Uh, you know, Christopher Freeland, with all due respect, and uh, the prime minister, they love to talk about the rules-based uh, multilateral world that we live in. But you know what, guys? It's a tough playground out there. China, Russia are up on the rise. They're becoming very, very aggressive. And we have to come out of that little sandbox a bit differently and come out swinging, in effect, because otherwise, I'm afraid, Canadians will be even more threatened when they go overseas. So that's something they're, that their foreign affairs, handling the foreign affairs file, needs to be a little bit more savvy, I thought. Mm. Yeah, I do agree with that, Michael. I, having been there uh, and having worked on those kind of, uh, you do have to punch above your weight and be creative. But yes, I think we need have to show a little bit more teeth and uh, be perceived as, as such. Um, I, my, I'm going to go back to what Nelson had uh, mentioned on the history in 1974, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Keith Davey and, of course, uh, others were responsible for bringing the party back from what had been a near disaster in 1972, winning by only one or two seats. Uh, that back then the NDP was very much antagonistic or seen as antagonistic and the Liberals were able to frame that. That's not going to happen this time. And I think for the Liberals, the big problem I, I suspect is they're going to be seen as long in the tooth, too many errors. And uh, for that reason, a new leader, he is not going to be perfect, but he's far better known than I think uh, any Conservative I know of today. If he does manage to pull this off, uh, it could be a very interesting race and one that will be faced uh, very much focused on. And I think one mentioned here, Eastern Canada, as opposed to someone from Saskatchewan fighting someone from Quebec. I think it'll make uh, more of an interesting race right here in the GTA. All right. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us on Unpublished TV. Once again, a a great conversation. Our panelists, uh, former Liberal MP Dan McTagg, Christian Bork is with uh, Leger Marketing, Nelson Wiseman at the University of Toronto, as well as Michael Bosacu. He's a global affairs analyst. And as you heard, did his opinion piece for CNN. There you go, Michael. Uh, I want to thank you for watching. And coming up next week on Unpublished TV, we'll discuss Canada's relationship with Saudi Arabia following this week's bombshell that the kingdom sent a hit squad to Canada to take out a former high-ranking Saudi official. I want to thank you for watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.